Coming up today, a bit of tool time for you, specifically the secret life of chucks. If you've ever wondered what's inside here, how to get it apart, how to rebuild it, maybe you've got one that's jammed solid, then we're going to deal with that today and I'll show you exactly how to do it. At the end of this video, you will be a chuck manipulating Jedi. Logan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Straight on the website. Card. Now, everyone's got a chuck. Statistically, the most likely exposure to the chuck for ordinary mortals would be in one of these babies. And by the way, this is just lay down Mazaire for the Chuck Norris joke, isn't it? So What's your best Chuck Norris joke? Let me have it in the comments. Let's see if there's one that I haven't seen yet. The old Chuck Norris, remember him. I wonder how he's doing. I didn't look that up. I would have had to do research to do that. Now, you got one of these, most likely. And if it's one of these prosumer-level drills, then the Chuck is built down to a price. And if it dies, my strong advice would be just bin it, dude. Get another one because you can get a really decent replacement chuck for a device such as this for less than 20 bucks. And I'll put a link in the description to one that I recommend if you like. Uh, I don't get anything out of it, but Renegade Industrial is a Chinese brand, but they build reasonable quality everything. I've got a lot of Renegade tools here and they've been really good. Therefore, the question on everyone's mind is, well, how do I get that off? I've never pulled that off before. How do I get rid of it? Well, there's two things that you've got to do. There's a machine screw down inside the guts of it, down in here. And it's usually Phillips 3 or a flathead, or quite often it's a combination screw that will accept a flat blade or a Phillips 3. And it's a left-hand thread. So you've got to set whatever you undo it with to clockwise rotation as you look down the barrel. And because these things usually come in pairs, most people have a drill and a driver. It makes sense to use the driver to undo the left-hand thread. So you set the driver to the sense of rotation that would screw a normal screw in, clockwise, looking down the barrel, and then you just commence mating procedures. And the best way to do that is just make sure that the head is engaged, make sure it's a Phillips 3, and then just... That was easy. Okay, so here comes the machine screw. It's a left-hand thread. It's just like that, and it's really a counter-rotation device, right? You put that somewhere safe, you get rid of your driver for a bit, and then you find your trusty Allen keys, and you just get your biggest one. And for most of us, that would be a 10mm Allen key. And you just put in the chuck like it's a drill, and you're chucking it up, and you get really careful at this point, because if you press the trigger at the wrong time, you will hit yourself with the Allen key, and that's going to be kind of memorable. Now, the chuck is held into the drill with a right-hand thread. So you have to set the drill to undo mode, if you like. First gear for maximum torque. Drill mode for maximum torque without the clutch that disengages when you're screwing something together. And then, really, all you need to do is just... That. And then... 
you chuck unscrews, dude. And then you get your replacement. You put your Allen key in your replacement. You screw it back on. No need to do that up real tight. It's been a while since I've done one of these. I'm surprised something hasn't gone miraculously badly. Just cinch it down a little bit. Undo that. And then, you just get your left hand thread. You say to yourself, left hand thread, so I'm going to pretend I'm unscrewing it, but I'm really going to be screwing it in. Like that. Give that a bit of a lean, even though this is Phillips 2, not 3. There you go. Replacement in whatever it was, a couple of minutes, right? That's the easiest way to deal with a dodgy chuck on your power drill. And it seems to me a bit of a shame to throw the whole tool away if just the chuck is defective. So that's how you deal with that. That's dead simple. If you step up into the next level of chuck ownership, we're really talking about machine tools like drill presses, lathes, milling machines, things of that nature. And most people don't have a lathe or a milling machine, but many people have a drill press because it's a fantastic way to drill, in particular, steel because you get a lot of pressure safely and you always ensure that the drill is perpendicular to the work and it basically does a really good job. And these are the kinds of chucks that we're talking about here. And the reason I want to go here is because I was watching a video just the other day from an Australian YouTuber, really good maker of this and that, named Neil. His channel is Pask Makes, P-A-S-K Makes. He's really good and a nice bloke too. I met him before the pandemic at a YouTube function before he was a million sub famous kind of YouTuber and I'm sure that hasn't changed him incidentally. But he makes some brilliant stuff and unlike a lot of people who make stuff uh, on YouTube, he's not wedded to woodwork or metalwork, he does both. I think he started out with a lot more wood projects and then graduated to metalwork and he's been learning more and more about that. And he does some really cool stuff. And one of the things he did recently was he got an antique drill press and rebuilt it. And I mean ground up rebuild, right? So he resprayed everything, he rebuilt the quill, new bearings, put a special spacer, like he had to custom make a spacer for the thrust race because there was a dimensional difference there. And it came up really good. But the one thing he didn't do was he didn't pull the chuck apart. Everything else came apart. But the chuck got a bit of a spray with dry glide and we're hoping for the best. And I'm not being critical of him here. I, I assume he didn't know how to get the chuck apart and many people don't. When you look at a chuck such as this, it really does seem impenetrable because there's no screws, there's no conventional external fixation whatsoever. And I'm going to show you how to get one apart and rebuild it in just a sec. But before I do, we need to drill down, no pun intended, into the different kinds of chucks that all seemingly look kind of like that. So the first thing, which is pretty esoteric really but really nice to use is one of these keyless chucks because what that does is you can just tighten it up by hand it holds drills really well you haven't got to keep reaching around for the chuck key which is lovely we're not going to talk about pulling one of them apart because that's a completely different can of worms so we'll put that to one side and then we've got essentially two different kinds of chucks here that look 
remarkably similar. And if you think it's this sort and you've really got this sort and you try to pull this sort apart the way you get this apart, you're just going to be binning it, okay, because they're vastly different in the way they're constructed. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to decide if it's a proper Jacobs-type chuck. And it's pretty easy to tell with this one because it's got Jacobs stamped into it, as does this one and this one and this one. And this is, believe it or not, a Jacobs-style chuck, a bit of a knockoff. But these two here and this one, they're going to be a flat-out disaster if we try and pull them apart as if they're these kind of chuck. So you have to know the difference. And the difference is, it's, and it's really critical from a disassembly point of view, this piece on the outside, including the teeth, on a Jacobs chuck, it's all one barrel and it's machined out of a substantial solid piece of steel, okay? This piece here that rotates is one piece. That's it. And it, it sounds like a heavy thing, right? That's not the case with one of these non-Jacobs chucks. This is a piece of sheet metal and it sounds, it's really springy and it feels lightweight. And it's really just a clamp to hold this thing together here with the teeth on it for the rack, which is really also a nut. We'll get into that. You'll see exactly what I mean when I say this is a nut because there's a similar kind of nut, in, a nut inside one of these. But you can't confuse the two. So you really need to make an accurate determination about if that sounds and feels like a piece of sheet metal when you hit it with something like your trusty carbide tip striver, don't pull it apart like it's a Jacob's chuck because you will fuck it. And not in a good way, okay? So these sorts of chucks are all Jacob's style chucks. And chucks come in two parts, really. When you get them out of the machine, they're really like this. They've got a chuck and an arbor. And the arbor goes into the chuck on a taper like this, and that's all that holds it together, is just the pressure against the tapered surfaces, right? It's a precisely ground, very smooth, fine surface. And you should wipe the oil off before you put them together, and to get them together, you just put the arbor in the chuck and give it a couple of nice taps with a soft face hammer so you don't damage this bit and it'll stay there for a long time. And this is one of the problems because although I have not yet seated this one, this is a welded shank to whatever this taper is, I can't tell off the top of my head, but once it's been there for donkey's years and you don't know the history of the chucks, as I don't with these, it's really hard to get the arbor off. Sometimes you need to do that if you buy a second-hand chuck like this and you don't have a machine with a receptacle like that for the chuck, that's kind of a problem, got to get it off. That's a completely different can o worms. But you don't really need to get the arbor out of the chuck to pull it apart. So that's the first thing to remember. And if you've got one of these sorts of chucks, you know, this is just a sheet metal cap. The easiest way to get it apart is just to hold it like this, get a soft-faced hammer, and hit it like... This is a protracted process often. You can do that a million more times and before the heat death of the universe 
you'll just see there's a crack opening up there between this hardened rack and this sheet metal cap. So you just kind of keep going. You persevere with it. You can build a little clamp out of plywood or something to hold this. You could just drill a hole in the plywood and cut a slot in it, hold it in the vise and keep going. And this cap will pop off and then you'll be able to get at the inner workings. That's how you get these ones apart, incidentally. The other way to tell them apart is that the non-Jacobs type usually has radial sort of circumferential rings, whereas the Jacobs style of chuck typically has these longitudinal sort of slots and you can tell that this is all one piece of steel. So what we'll do is we'll go over to the press and we'll get it apart. I'll show you exactly how to do it. You don't need very much special equipment to do it but one of the things I would strongly suggest if you're going to do this yourself, if you've got a press, what you do is you back the jaws up. So you might end up with you know, there's your jaws, okay? Don't back them all the way up. Just back them up enough so that you'll be able to rest the face of the chuck without the jaws engaged at all on the press. Because what we're going to do is we're going to press this bit down over the nose of the chuck. And you don't want to back the jaws all the way back because if you do, they'll stick out so far back here that they'll interfere with this sleeve and you might chip the teeth that uh, on the threads that drive the jaws up and down. So you really don't want to do that. What we want to do is just have, we just want those jaws only just inside the top of the chuck so that they won't bear any pressure when we use them on the press. So let's go over there and do that and I'll show you how easy it is to get one apart. Always, always, without exception, wear safety specs when you use a press because there's a lot of stored energy even though you can't see it. And if something lets go and fractures, particularly when you're dealing with anything that's heat treated, a piece can break off and Murphy's Law, it'll head straight for you. And you don't want to see how good the emergency department is at pulling steel fragments out of the human eye with their ginormous magnets. That's best experienced by others I think you'd agree so anyway these are from safe styles and uh, they got a few different styles they're an Aussie company they did send them to me I've been testing them for a while now and you can get sunglass versions as well right so you can use them in the yard and if you have to duck down the shops or something you don't look like a work cover Nazi when you're just walking around socially because they do actually bridge the gap in between dorky safety specs and half cool sunglasses so anyway link in the description for them but you'll be supporting an Aussie company if you do and they're only like 30 bucks for the basic pair and when you compare that to the value of your freaking eyesight dude now if you don't have a press okay there's not very much load involved in doing this but a press is so good at doing it in a controlled way like you could probably do it in a vice if you could rig something up appropriately. Uh, for this, 
Chaka 46 millimeter socket. Just about the perfect pressing die to get this sleeve off. But the easiest way to do this is just to go and talk nicely to your local mechanic and slip him 20 bucks or something and say, hey, can you just press this off? Here's how it comes apart. I just want to fix it. And this, of course, is the reason why you'd want to pull something like this apart. Because when I got this one, it was attached to a vintage drill press and it was seized solid. I got the whole thing for like a hundred bucks from the local scrap metal joint. And it hadn't done that much work, but it had been like neglected for 10 or 12 years. And it's a really good cast iron, heavy duty, simple drill press, which is like made in Australia too. In the 80s, I think they made it. So um, anyway, I got the chuck moving by virtue of just spraying it endlessly down into this seam here with WD. And people think the best thing about WD is that it's a, a penetrating oil. But the best thing about WD is the solvent. It's mainly solvent. So what you're doing is basically getting a whole bunch of solvent in here and it's going to work on whatever's literally gummed up the works. And it's kind of just, I can just see on top here, it's kind of full of varnish and the accumulated detritus of, you know, 50 years worth of, 40 or 50 years worth of neglect or inattention, whatever. So... That's what you'd want to do. You want to get this apart, clean up the workings, and uh, don't forget, when you're going to do a job of this nature, the kitchen, dude, it's such a gold mine for jobs of this nature. Just don't let on back upstairs. That The baking tray is suddenly down here, and if you're wife whichever number you're on, I'm on number six, But so I've played this game a few times before, but if you're Mrs. Sis, have you? seen the baking tray you just go don't go no because that immediately sounds suspicious no no just say baking tray right just make her think she's losing her mind that's your job in any case so okay here's how you get it apart once you've broken that seal you should be able just to knock this last bit off gently like that and here's your relatively solid steel ring here's the cleverest thing I think I've ever seen with such a simple machine and this would be a nut in two halves and the way they do it is they make a V in the nut and then they harden it so it's nice and brittle and then they just hit it with something and fracture it and what that does is, it breaks it in half so you can get the whole damn thing together, but it also gives it the world's most precise refit. When you've got to put it back together, all those little nooks and crannies just fit together brilliantly, and it always goes back together the right way. So what's in here is a precisely machined surface that matches this surface. That's what we overcame with the press, because it's a press fit that holds the whole thing together. And it's the nut that drives the jaws up and down. And it's the press fit between this smooth ring inside the barrel here and the smooth outside of the nut that does the transfer of torque from the chuck key via this circumferential rack. So I hope that makes sense. You've got those two bits. Then you've got the body of the chuck and then you've got the jaws. Now, the jaws, you might be tempted to try and pull the jaws out backwards, that won't work. 
they come out counterintuitively out the front and they are sometimes a little bit hard to grab hold of which is why it's nice to have a mafia murder weapon here just a nice sort of ice picky thing and you can just press these out now I know there are going to be some people when they see me do this they're going to say but you haven't taken any record of you know the locations of these jaws and to that I would suggest respectfully that you don't need to have a record of which jaws went where because the chuck can only go back together one way, really. It can only go together one way. The jaws don't have to go back in the same holes that they came out of, but they do have to go back in an order. They have to go one, two, three. And if you put them back one, three, two, then the jaws won't line up and that'll be reality screaming at you that you've put them back in the wrong order in which case you just pull any random two jaws out and swap them over in their holes and you'll be good to go so there's no need I see all in all these people on YouTube they make these witness marks and they do all of this kind of stuff they put center punch marks or scriber marks one two and three on these holes it's all completely unnecessary so what we've got here the ring, the world's cleverest brittle hardened nut that was just smashed into two precise pieces by virtue of a genius who probably didn't get paid nearly enough to figure out how to do this. A body with some fairly precision machining in it for the jaws and also holes that go through to mount the chuck key. And then we've got the jaws themselves and all of which appear to be in miraculously decent condition but what I'll do now is I'll take all the bits because I can't be asked doing this manually I'm just going to take all the bits over to the ultrasonic cleaner and we're going to give them a blast of 40 kilohertz ultrasound and just blow all of this accumulated detritus of Christ knows how many years this is a 10 litre ultrasonic cleaner from vivor.com.au. It's under 200 bucks and the real advantage of this is that when you've got to clean something that means getting into infinite nooks and crannies, you don't have to worry about any of that. You just let ultrasonic sound waves push the water around and do the job for you. So what I've got here is... I've got a couple of different containers and we'll talk about them in a separate video but I'm essentially just cleaning up the rust and or galvanization off a few random bits of metal just to demonstrate the versatility of the ultrasonic cleaner but the pink stuff that the chuck is in that is just a basic chemtech degreaser I bought 20 liters of it and I just dilute it 10 to 1 so I've got this infinite practical supply of degreaser here and Basically, instead of just filling up the ultrasonic cleaner with either vinegar, which deals with rust and mill scale and galvanization, if you need to clean a little bit of that off to weld something, then you don't have to worry about the inside of your ultrasonic cleaner getting filthy and you don't have to put 10 litres of vinegar inside anything to do the job. What's basically in here is... The balance of the volume is just normal tap water and the individual containers contain the working chemical, either the vinegar or the degreaser, and they're just doing their specific jobs. The containers themselves are basically transparent to ultrasonic sound waves, allowing them to pass through the water, through the container and into the working chemical. So your chemicals last longer, you use less of them 
and you can do two jobs at once by mixing and matching as you see fit just with the containers that you've got at hand which can also come from the kitchen if you want. Okay, so it's been a couple of days. Well, it's been about 10 seconds for you, but it's been a couple of days for me. I got tied up, dad got sick, blah, blah, blah. Life was a bit uncertain for a while. But anyway, these are the bits that came out of the vibratory cleaner in the vinegar, and this is the disassembled chuck. And I've got to say, the vibratory cleaner just does such a great job getting into the kinds of things that would just be a world-class pain in the ass, even with a toothbrush, all these little passages and nooks and crannies and things of that nature. It's got a little bit of surface rust, but surface rust that happens over a couple of days is just a powder that wipes off. And we're going to do that now. I wanted to point out just how versatile these vibratory cleaners are, because this bit of pipe here used to be galvanised, and you can quite clearly see just here the welded seam in the pipe. It's not galvanised anymore, and that is absolutely brilliant. It's a really good way of selectively removing a little bit of galvanisation and from the inside, and you might say to me, why do you want to do that? And I would recommend you do it every time you weld anything galvanised, because the last thing you want to do is breathe zinc vapour. It's really bad for you. Same thing with this galvanised bracket. You can see just where the tip of the galvanised bracket was out of the vinegar, and it's still galvanised, but the rest of it is just bare steel now. So sheet metal, structural shapes, it's all the same, dude. And all we need really to bring this stuff, all of this stuff, back to its real former glory is something like a bit of Lanox, what do they call it, MX4, which is really good stuff. And, you know, you just spray a little bit around. We're just going to work it all into everything. And if we wipe it with a rag at the same time, hey, it's going to smell like Auckland on a Friday night, which is always uplifting, but it's also just a really good protectant and the act of just wiping it off is going to take any of that surface flash rusting and just throw it away which is exactly what we want so just bear with me while I get that done Okay, so super impressed with all of that. Obviously, the main body of the chuck does not look like it just came off the CNC machine that made it, but it's pretty good for a piece of steel that's 30 or 40 years old, I'd have to say. And the teeth just, well, they look virtually brand new. They're extremely hard, so they're not really amenable or subject to that much wear. There is a little bit of light chipping in a couple of these uh, jaws, though right down the end, like I said earlier, that's not going to really matter. The nut is in really good condition and once all the crap is off it, it just fits together so beautifully when you put the two halves together and you just you match them up so that all the crevices from the fracture just meet. It's perfect, right? Just really clever piece of design. One, two, three, six parts. Like, talk about elegant design that really is absolutely brilliant at least it is to me maybe I'm just a weirdo who gets off on crap like that but anyway a couple of things I also wanted to mention to you before we rebuild it and we will be rebuilding it in real time I'm going to talk you through it it's not that hard if you ever see a drill press you know council cleaner scrap metal merchant something like that and the chuck is frozen that is not a disaster 
press it apart, do what I just did. It'll come up like this nine times out of ten and it'll be literally as good as new, just like this one will. However, in the intervening time, which was so brief for you but not so much for me, I actually did order a couple of replacement electric drill, like battery drill chucks. And I did say 20 bucks earlier, that was on special at half price. These are 39 bucks and these are 29 bucks. So we'll just have a little look at what you get for that. They're really weighty units. There's very little plastic in any of these. So that's always a good place to start. They've all got the same thread too. Well, all is a big call. I know Milwaukee changed some of their chucks to a different thread, but 999 of a thousand battery drills out there in the market have a half inch 20 UNF, which is a half inch thread, like an imperial thread, but it's not the usual coarse thread. It's 20 threads per inch. I think the normal coarse thread is half 13, so 13 threads per inch. The fine thread just gives you better clamping force and they're usually manufactured better too because they typically go together with precision installations and things of that nature. So anyway, these are that thread and they are just compatible with the majority of electric drills out there. It feels okay, this is the cheap one. The 40 buck one, 39 something, it's got the red ring, so it's just like a Canon L-series lens in some respects, I guess. But it's got carbide jaws and it feels really good, you know, like it just, it feels really good, this thing. So I'd be spending the 40 bucks instead of spending the whatever it is, 100 bucks on a replacement drill if the drill in my, if the chuck in my battery drill just carked it one day and I'd, uh, I'd look at this lasting practically forever. It feels good. Chinese manufacturing is like so variable. There's plenty of crap comes out of China, I'd be the first to admit that. But I've got a bunch of rene renegade industrial tools and they've been really good and these chucks look like being really good, at least to me. So I'll put a link to them. I'm not getting anything out of that. I've bought a hell of a lot of stuff from the importer, which is a business called Trade Tools in Queensland. So there's that. The shipping's really good. It always arrives. It always arrives speedy. They just do a really good job. So let's just talk about getting this chuck back together now, shall we? There's a bit of debate about what you should do. I'm going to put some grease on the threads at least. It can't hurt, right? People say that, you know, chips are going to get in there and the grease helps chips stick to the whatever. I don't see it like that. I just think... You know, a little bit of grease on the teeth. This is just that red tacky stuff that's high temperature and wheel bearing and all of that palaver. It's overkill for an application like this that doesn't move very fast, never gets hot, etc. But it's not a bad idea. And just a little bit, maybe a little bit on the threads. That can't hurt either because these parts are going to hopefully stay together for another decade or so. And then... Maybe someone else might be pulling this chuck apart, fixing it. Who knows? And we'll just uh, put a little bit there as well in the keyway for the teeth. Not too much. Doesn't need to be much for an application like this. All right, so it's a bit of a lottery. You never know if you're going to get the teeth in the right order or not, but it's really easy to fix if you don't. So...
Okay, so at this point, what I've done is I've just got the three jaws inside the chuck and I've just basically leveled them up as best I can with my terrible failing eyesight. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get half of the nut and I'm going to engage it with one of those teeth, hopefully with two of those teeth. And then I'm going to see if the third one just decides to play ball. And if it doesn't, then I'll show you what the fix is. This is what it looks like if you get the teeth in absolutely the wrong order. It's dead obvious and the fix is dead easy. We just need to pull out two random jaws and reverse them, which is dead simple. It's just going to take a couple of minutes, so bear with me while I do that. And there's the fix, right? You don't need to put witness marks on the jaws and you don't need to put witness marks on the body because there's only two possible relative orientations of the jaws. There's only one, two, three, the right order, and if you get it wrong, it's going to be one, three, two. So you just pull out three and two and you swap them over and you get one, two, three. It's really that simple. And then all we've got to do from now on is we'll just get the jaws back inside the body, but not too far back, so just so they clear the leading edge of the body here. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to wipe the surface that's going to be subject to the press fit, okay? Just going to wipe that down gently and get most of the oil off, most of the oil and the grease off. It doesn't matter, it doesn't have to be surgical, but it'd be nice if it was reasonably clean. And I'm going to do the same thing on the inside here and just get most of the scent of Auckland just off the press fit surface okay that'll get back and then obviously it's going together like that and then all we need to do is back to the press shove it all together Bob's your mother's brother Now, that's just beautiful. You could do this almost with a vise. I'm pretty sure you could do it with a vise. I've never actually tried, but this moves beautifully. Now, it's resistance-free, and it's just got the right amount of grease in it. The grease isn't holding it back, but there's absolutely no problem with any of that. The movement is fine. The jaws all line up at the top, as you can clearly see there. This chuck has done very little work. It's just been neglected, you know. It's just been out there in the elements and unused. But I'm tipping a dozen people looked at it at the scrapper where I picked the drill press up from and they looked at the C's chuck and they thought, ah, oh, Jesus, I'm not going there, you know. The one thing I'd say about putting the chuck back together is you should always check it with the chuck key because if you do this and it starts feeling a bit notchy, it's got to do with the clearance between the sleeve and the hole that drives the rotation of the chuck key. If the sleeve is not fully seated down on the body of the chuck, then this is gonna feel really notchy and it's just gonna be bad, it's gonna drive you shitless, okay? So 
you just want to check that. Sometimes I guess if there's a bit of wear you could actually push this too far down in which case the beauty of hydraulics is you've got really fine adjustment potential and you could just invert the jaws, uh, invert the chuck in the press and then press the sleeve just a fraction of a millimetre back this way and then that would increase the clearance and you just might have to fudge it a little bit until you get this Goldilocks engagement that feels like it came out of a proper machine shop which it absolutely did. Just for completeness before I let you go perhaps we should talk about the secret life of arbors because a chuck like this it's fine but in isolation it's not going on a machine anytime soon because there's no thread in here. It's not like this. It's not just screwed on. It's a bit more complex than that or at least philosophically different because there's a taper in here, a tapered hole and it corresponds with the taper on this arbor. So if I'm going to put the arbor in the chuck, I just get all the oil off, I wipe it with a rag inside and out, I put it in, pop it with a hammer, soft-faced hammer preferably, and it's going to stay there because of the friction between the tapered surfaces. And that might seem counterintuitive, but it works just fine. In fact, often it works too good and it's a real bastard to get them back out. So you want to be careful about putting the right arbor in the chuck because otherwise you could be doing a couple of hours work. Anyway, the most common attachment is a Morse taper. They come in different sizes. The drill I got from the scrapo is not like that, like the uh, main shaft of the quill just ends like that and the chuck goes up the end of the quill like that and it's just different. Most modern drill presses are Morse taper and the ones you put in your own shed, usually Morse taper too, which this is, okay? So you've got your brand new Morse taper two arbor you might one day get a machine with the Morse Taper 3 tailstock, like a lathe, or the big drill press that I upgraded to, which is Morse Taper 4. So you've got Morse Taper 2 on your baby drill press, and then you've got Morse Taper 3 and Morse Taper 4. What do you do? They make sleeves for Morse Tapers. This is Morse Taper 2 to Morse Taper 3, which is great, okay? Just adapt it up, and this is Morse Taper 2 to Morse Taper 4, same thing, just adapt it up. They come with these little wedges, which if they don't come with that, you just make one. You cut a piece of steel like that at a bit of an angle. You make a wedge, and you just drive it in there when you want to pull them apart for real. So that's kind of how this works. You just need to make sure you've got the right arbor, and if you've got various machines, the fundamental arbor that goes on the chuck the best one to get is the smallest one because you can adapt it up easy, whereas if you get an arbor with a Morse Taper 4 on it, you really can't adapt it back to Morse Taper 2, at least not easily. Hopefully now you know more about chucks than you did. I certainly hope so. And if you come across a drilling machine at garage sale, council, clean-up, the local scrapo, you know, whatever, and it's got a seized chuck, don't automatically assume that the machine has to go in the bin and it's going to be too expensive to fix or replace or get it off, whatever. As you've seen, they're some of the most simple devices. Brilliantly elegant, simple, robust. They survive the slings and arrows of a great deal of abuse and they're dead simple to get apart and refurbish. And if this has helped you, then my work here is done and thank you very much for watching.